Let's look at Galatians chapter 4, and I'll read Galatians chapter 4. Okay, just turn that off. Now it's on again. I'll read verse 17 and 18. If you'll follow along. Tell you what, I'll read verse 17, and then you join with me on verse 18. Okay, Galatians 4, 17 and 18. They zealously affect you but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I am present with you. Let's read verse 18 one more time. Ready? But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I am present with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time to... Meet together now around your word, please. Holy Spirit of God, help us to be filled with you and that we would learn what we need to learn tonight from your word and give us understanding. And thank you for what we've heard already. Thank you for your word and these hymns. Thank you for the missions update and just the opportunity it is to be in the same room with many believers tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Tonight, I'd like to speak to you on those two words, mainly one word, but in verse 18, the Apostle Paul talks about being zealously affected, zealously affected, and he said it's a good thing. Now, uh, zeal can be defined as passionate enthusiasm, passionate enthusiasm, kind of like rivalry at home, you know, passionate enthusiasm, you know, and uh, there can be, unfortunately, there can be a level of zeal that is not so good. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that side of it tonight. Um, but that's, there are biblical pastors that talk to us about improper zeal. Uh, but I'm going to speak to you tonight on the verse 18 on being zealously affected uh, to good things, to good things. And uh, so zeal, it can be defined as passion and enthusiasm. It is an eagerness an ardent interest in pursuit of something. In pursuit of something. It comes from the Greek word zealos. Z-E-L-O-S. And this word can range from meaning jealousy, uh, emulation, fervor, ambition. So this is where we say that zeal can be uh, not so good, but it can also be very good. This quote, zeal is like fire. It's like a fire. It needs feeding, but it also needs watching. It needs feeding. And it, hey, looky there. Bring up, get the new look from the old book. Come on, bring that up. Get that up here, please, please. We'll get back to zeal in just a minute. You put a lot of time into that. How did you, how did you fix the TV from back there? That's what I want to know. You didn't even come up here. Get the new look. Okay, let's sing it one more time. Let's sing one more time. Brother Kevin spent time on this today, and I'm, I'm zealous about it. All right, here we go. Ready? Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from the Bible. Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from God's Word. The inward look, the outward look, the upward look from the old, old book. Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from God's Word. You see, he was zealous. This is a perfect example 
of what zealous is, being zealous. He was, he was ardently, what did we say, interested in pursuing getting that thing on. And uh, that's a good way of being zealous. So zeal is like a fire. It needs feeding, but it also needs watching. You know, the other day we were out delivering brochures, not on, I don't think it was on the Deliver the Truth Day. I think it might have been the week before that. And yes, it was the week it was really raining and raining and raining. No, that was Deliver the Truth Day. My umbrella broke while we were out there in the rain. You had to hold it up to keep from getting... And then I said, Lord, that's going to be hard to hold this thing up for the next hour and a half. Can we, you know, can we maybe turn the rain off for a little while? And it kept pouring. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. That's fine, too. And then about 10 minutes later, though, uh, it stopped raining and the sun was almost out. I was going down one side of a street in North Burnaby and I saw four people get out of a car on the other side of the street. Very nicely dressed people, overcoats, umbrellas. They were starting to knock on the doors on the other side of the street. The same street I was on. They are zealous. The Jehovah Witnesses are very zealous, but not toward truth. And so there are a lot of zealous people, religiously speaking. Uh, In the corporate world, there's a lot of zealous people. But we want to be zealously affected, as Paul said, in a good thing. In a good thing. Zeal is the opposite of apathy. It's the opposite of slothfulness. Uh, I wonder today how many zealous Christians there are. I wonder if there's times in my life where I'm not so zealous. Maybe I'm a little bit apathetic about something. Or maybe I'm a little bit just lazy. And... God, as we learn tonight in our singing, he, he put Jesus on the cross and um, in pursuit of you and in pursuit of me. And it cost something so great. I would say this, if there was ever a time to be zealously affected for good, for the cause of Christ in your life, I cannot think of a better time than right now. Maybe you were, and you, ha- you are, and you have been. We all, I'm sure, have been zealous, and then maybe we have a bit of a downtime. But I cannot think of a better time than right now, the present, to be zealously affected for good works. The Apostle Paul, of course, is the writer of this text, and he's writing to the believers that are in Galatia. And he's challenging them, and he's, con- he's, he's concerned about them because he doesn't want them to be swept away by the error of the Judaizers that are a problem for them and being zealous but not for good works and so we're going to focus on that good side of zeal tonight the kind of zeal that i want to have more of as a follower of jesus christ the kind of zeal that honors god it's not so that people can pat me on the back or pat you on the back but we want to be zealously affected for the glory of god and uh, no better time than the present. So, several things, and again, some of this is, is repetitious, but repetitious is what we need. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we'll get as many of these in as we can. Several things that God wants us to be zealous about. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and verse 139. 
Psalm 119, 139. My zeal hath consumed me because my enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. We need to be zealous for the word of God. Zealous for the word of God. Remember that word. Remember the definition. It is an eagerness and an ardent interest in pursuit of something. It is our theme all year long, living by the word. To be zealous about the word of God. I'm reminded of the believers in the early church in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, the, they are referred to as the Bereans. How many of you have ever read about the Bereans? The Bereans. Acts 17.11. Let's read about them. If you haven't, you'll read about them right now. The word of God. Please, let's go to Acts 17 and verse number 11. And let's not miss these words. Every word of God is important. Zealous for the word of God. Acts 17, verse number 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. The words readiness of mind mean zeal. They received it with zeal. They received received it with spirit. You know what I think of when I think of that word spirit? And again, I'm not picking on anybody tonight if you're tired, okay? But when we receive the word of God, you know, with spirit, I mean, we're ready. We're awake. There's a readiness with spirit, with zeal, and with eagerness. And with eagerness. That's what's described in that word, those words, readiness of mind. And notice they search the scriptures daily with an eagerness, with a zeal about them. In other words, there's something different about searching and just simply reading. And we've, we've really talked about that a lot, a lot this year. But I hope it's just a reminder to us that when we open the word of God in the morning or in the afternoon or the evening, you don't have to only open it one time a day. But anytime we open the word of God and we're dedicating ourselves to reading it, that we're not only reading it, but we're searching for something for us. Because do we believe that every time we open the word of God, God has something for us? If we don't believe that, why are we opening it? <laughs> right? It's not just to tick off our sheet and say we've read the Bible. I, I want to I open it because there's something in there for me. I want to be zealous about really slowing down, uh, reading it over and over again. Yes, sometimes I'm, I read it over and over again, and I still I just can't quite see what there is in there in that particular verse. And so you, you carry on, and, and maybe it'll hit you later in the day. Oh, now I get it. You were thinking about something totally different, but because you have a readiness and an eagerness, you have that zealous spirit. I mean, think about things that interest you. Think about things that you're, you're consumed by, you know? And you're paying attention when you're consumed. When you're really interested, you're really paying attention. I mean, it might be a television program. It might be a cooking show. It might be uh, 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 you're, at a, you're at a business meeting, and you, and you know, you, you better be paying attention. You know, it might be I'm getting instructions for this particular project or this particular whatever. And, and, you know, we're going to pay attention to what is important. And uh, we must be zealously affected for the word of God. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job 23.12. That word esteemed there in that verse means treasured. 
treasured? Do we treasure God's word? I recently read, I recently read this in a blog post. Quote, we have access to the scriptures, numerous Bible study tools on our phones, tablets, and computers. We can read or listen to the Bible no matter where we are. It is critical that we not allow this ease of access and familiarity to diminish our sense of awe and wonder at what God has given us in his word. Our love and service for God are shaped by, grounded on, and empowered by His Word. End quote. And I say, that's so true, isn't it? We can be so inundated with all of the technological things, and praise God for them, praise God for all of it, yes, but may we not allow the technology, and may we not allow the easy accessibility to take away from what it, what it cost for us to have a copy of the Word of God. People have given their lives to keep this word of God going for you and for me. And there's a great trail of blood behind me of people that have given their life. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ and on and on it goes. But may we be zealously affected by the word of God. I have one other verse, Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. Of course, you've heard me say before that Isaiah, kind of like a mini Bible, 66 chapters, 66 books. Look at Isaiah 66, please, and verse number 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and notice this, trembleth at my word. Trembleth at my word. May we get a revival in Anchor Baptist Church in 2023 of trembling at the word of God. That doesn't mean we're scared of God and we're going to go hide under a rock and all of that, but we have a reverential fear and respect of God and of God's Word. And then we cherish this book and, and we don't let it get you know, piled up on top of by every other thing that can be piled up on it. And that we not only uh, that we tremble at it, that we obey it and we, and we meditate on it and we have an ardent pursuit of it that we're zealously affected for the Word of God, number one. Number two, may we be zealous in prayer. Zealous in prayer does not mean praying 60 seconds a day. That's not zealous. Zealous in this thing. Ardently pursuing it. Eagerly pursuing it. The fact that as a believer, we, sinners saved by grace that we sang about earlier tonight, can go into the presence of a holy God. In the name of Jesus and by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to James 5. James 5. And if these are familiar verses, but I hope you're marking them down, at least listening very carefully, because we ought to be, we ought to be thinking about these verses, looking at them, meditating on them, Scripture, and, and, uh, and, and um, memorizing them. Sorry. Confess your faults, James 5.16. There's much context here, but for the sake of time, we're looking primarily at the last half of this verse. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Zealous, effectual, fervent. The word effectual there. Another word for it could be effective. 
earnest, zealous in prayer. Turn back just a few pages to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. I'm just asking the Lord to point out in your life, and I'm asking the Lord to point out in my life, maybe one of these things, or two of these things, or three of these things, or all of them, that I need to be more zealous about. I'm not saying that you don't read your Bible and that we don't pray. But what I am saying is, are we zealous about it? I think there's a big difference between tipping and going in and, you know, just getting in and just doing a little bit or being zealously affected by it. I have a mission. I'm on a mission to open God's word and find something for me for that day. But not just for me, for me to give to somebody else, to teach others also. But I'm going into this prayer time and I'm going into the presence of God on behalf of others and I'm going in there with a purpose zealously. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, servant of Christ, saluteth you always, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in what church? Prayers. Wow. What, I mean, what a testimony. What if it could be said of you and me tonight that we put our name in there and we're not supposed to compare ourselves among ourselves, but I mean, what a testimony that Epaphras is known as someone who labored fervently for the Christians that are in Colossae. There's somebody praying for you. And as we go to these missionary updates, and as we hear about, oh boy, you know, that's going to be quite a change for the Morris family. Did you catch that? The pastor of the church where they're laboring is, is, is re- resigning. And they're there. They've only been there a year this week. And the pastor's leaving. You know, that's between the pastor and the Lord. But the point is, he's leaving, and there's the Morrises. We need to really pray for them. I know we do, but we need to fervently, um, we need to zealously pray for them this week. Because Satan will use that in their life, can, as a great discouragement. Here's this man that they're working under. And again, we don't have to worry about the whys they're leaving, but, it is, but let's pray zealously for them. We just got this letter today. I don't think it's a mistake that we got it today. Let's, as Anchor Baptist Church, those of us that are here, and we'll get that letter out tomorrow, um, let's zealously pray for them. And Mrs. Morris and those three children, she still needs to get her driver's license and there's a whole lot of stuff to go through. We could say that about all of our missionaries in different ways. But let's be an Epaphras. Zealously praying, fervently praying, laboring. You know, you know, we pray for something for a little while. I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes we pray for someone or something. And we might pray for weeks, we might pray for months. It might even start getting into six months, seven months. And it seems like nothing's happening. Just don't forget that one passage in the Bible. Forgive me for not having it written down in my notes where, where, where uh, the angel was on the way with the answer. Gabriel, I think it was. He was on the way with the answer and he was met by the forces of evil and they had to do a little bit of duking it out. Sorry, battling it out, you know. And he broke through and he came with the answer. I don't remember the whole story. That's be- it's because there was prayer being made. 
So don't stop praying. Zealously praying. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Just turn over back a couple pages. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We prayed for you to have greater faith. We prayed for you night and day. We prayed exceedingly. Zealous in prayer. This is something that I'm praying about. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century English preacher, was known as the Prince of Preachers. Possibly more in print about Charles Spurgeon than any other preacher today of his sermons in writing, I mean. It is not an exaggeration to say that thousands came to Christ through the preaching of Charles Spurgeon. One day a group of young ministers came to the church there in England, in London. After showing them the massive sanctuary... Spurgeon offered to show them his, quote, boiler room. The guests were not interested because boiler rooms were not a very pleasant place to visit. Dusty, dirty, smelly, hot, dry, the basement, maybe some four-legged critters running around in there, who knows. In Spurgeon's time, steam was the power of the day. Boiler rooms were the powerhouses, the driving forces of everything. Spurgeon led the young ministers down to the basement where they found about 100 people in prayer in the boiler room. This, Spurgeon said with a smile, is my boiler room. Whenever Spurgeon was asked the secret of his ministry, he always replied, the people are praying. The people are praying. How zealous are we? How zealous are we about prayer? Zealous for the word of God. Zealous for prayer. Number three, zealous over the house of God. The house of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3. You're close by, just a couple of pages over. 1 Timothy chapter 3. But if I tarry long, verse 15, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The house of God. 1 Timothy 3.15. Hebrews 10.25 challenges us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 69.9. It says, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I was really thinking about that. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He couldn't wait to get to the house of God. He couldn't wait to get to the temple, or he couldn't wait to get in the the New Testament to the place of worship, the, the church. He couldn't wait. We get to go to church, folks. We get to assemble together with one another. I wonder, is that, and I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be cute or funny about it, but does that eat you up? Or is it more of a responsibility? 
I think it is a responsibility. I think, I, I think there is duty there. But I don't want to stay in my Christian life from each and area of these things as it being all about duty. I, I don't want to have the attitude of, well, it's time to get out. I'm getting up now, so I've got to read the Bible. No. I want to be ardently passionate about getting into the Word of God, getting into prayer, being with the family of God, and so zealous about these things. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Number four. Zealous for the Great Commission. Zealous for the Great Commission. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I am so thankful for Bible examples. There's bad ones <laughs> that we don't want to follow, but then there's good ones that we ought to really follow as well. Avoid the bad, follow the good. Look what 2 Corinthians 9 verse 2 says. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. I was talking about you. He's saying this to the church at Corinth. You gotta, I've, been, I've been letting people know about you. What was he letting them know? That a KI was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. The zeal of the Corinthian believers made a difference in the lives of many people. That's what I want. I don't want my zeal to be for my glory. I want it to be for God's glory. But I want the zeal that God puts in me to be a, 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 a difference maker. As Paul writes here, that it would be uh, provoking. What does that mean? It means a stirring you know, zeal is contagious. So, is all, so are all the negative things too. God help me not to be someone who pours water on the fire. God help me to be someone who flames the fire. God help me not to be someone who's always saying, yeah, well, what about this? No, help me to be someone who says, yeah, you know, God is really good. It's amazing how good God is. You know, I tend to be sometimes a little bit negative about and, and seeing sometimes the glass half full. I don't want to be that way. The glasses are half empty. I don't want to be that way. I want to be half full kind of guy. That the zeal that God would, would create in me would be provoking of others. Critics are a dime a dozen. Let's be zealous for the Great Commission. Look at, look at verse 13 of the same chapter. He said, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto what? The gospel of Christ. And for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. They distributed liberally to the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this case, I believe it's speaking about giving. They were willing to give to the, to the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm thankful for the missions giving. I'm thankful for the, we'll give a report on, on Sunday night and we'll have time to rejoice in the Lord in that. But let us always be zealous for the Great Commission. Now also along with this though, a giving church will also be a going church. A church. Giving is part of it. 
We had a prayer meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. Brother Kevin and I prayed, and we prayed specifically that God would call someone out of Anchor Baptist Church because of the missionary update tonight, that God would call somebody out of Anchor Baptist Church to go to the mission field. I believe we prayed it in faith. It's not about us praying that, but it starts somewhere. The Great Commission, we want to be a sending church. God wants us to go. Let's go. Turn to Isaiah 57. I think we have an Old Testament illustration that we can use to this. We'll have some sound effects here in just a minute. Don't worry, you're safe. Maybe. Isaiah 57, look with me at verse 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot, what? Rest. Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Pastor, you know, okay, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be a great commission church and all that. We're going to be zealous about it. But have you not noticed the condition of the world? It's wicked. Okay. Well, it was wicked in Isaiah's day too. Look what it says in verse 21. There is how much peace to the wicked? None. Guess what I have tonight? I have a peace that I'm not, it's not about me, but God's given it to me. I have a peace that passeth all understanding. So guess what? We have to offer this wicked world that has no peace. We have, we have an offer of the Prince of Peace that can give them peace when everything is tossed and everything is turning and everything is upside down and it's topsy-turvy and it says they're like the troubled sea and it cannot rest. I mean, it's just all over the place and mire and dirt and everything. And you know how the Bible wasn't written and there were no chapter divisions in the Bible when it was written. And so we should just read right into verse 1 of chapter 58 which says, Cry aloud, spare not doesn't say back off it doesn't say slow down it doesn't say do less it says cry aloud spare not lift up thy voice okay let's hear let's hear our first one brother kevin see if this will work Take two. Is it because the live stream's on? No? Okay. If you get it going, just play it, okay? Lift up thy voice like a what? 50, 50, 59, 58, 1. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And show my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob their sins. Wow. But the, the point of this, as I'm looking at this, is what should we do in these days? I think we should follow the Old Testament admonition of the prophet Isaiah. I think we should lift up our voice like a trumpet. 
I think we should take the Word of God speaking the truth in love. I think we should go out and cry aloud. It may, I'm not saying you have to be a street preacher. Oh. What, what's that instrument? I was practicing my guitar this afternoon. Okay. Next one. No offense, guitar players. No offense, flutist. But let's hear the third one. That's beautiful, by the way. A little Spanish, a little Spanish trumpet. It's such a defining sound, isn't it? I love the first two instruments, don't get me wrong. But there's, there's a reason why the prophet did not say cry aloud like a flute. There's a reason why he didn't say cry aloud like a guitar. Because neither one of those really grabbed the attention necessarily of in the middle. I mean, you could be in the middle of the hustle and bustle of downtown Vancouver, and if somebody starts playing a trumpet with the authority, you're going to look, stop, you're going to stop, look, and listen. We have a message. It is not under my authority. It is not under your authority. But we have a message that can be given, a message of hope, a message of peace. I'm just saying tonight, may God help us to be, to be zealous for the Great Commission. One individual, one individual changed by the truth of the gospel can lead to a great harvest of souls. Mr. Kimball was his name. He was a Sunday school teacher. In 1858, he he would lead a Boston shoe clerk to give his life to Christ. That shoe clerk was named Dwight L. Moody, who would become an evangelist in England. And in 1879, there would be an awakened evangelistic zeal in the heart of Frederick B. Meyer, known as F.B. Meyer. So you have the Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball. He led D.L. Moody to Christ, and his preaching affected the heart of F.B. Meyer. He would be a pastor of a small church at the time. F.B. Meyer would be preaching on an American college campus, and he would lead to Christ a student by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. Mr. Chapman was engaged in YMCA work, Young Men Christians Association. There's a lot more Christian about it than there is today. Back in this day, he employed a former baseball player, Billy Sunday, to do evangelistic work. And the list goes on and on and on. It was just one soul. One. Not 5,000. Not 2,000. Praise God for those. Times two. But Mr. Kimball, he was zealous about his students in his Sunday school class. Young Moody, zealous. How is your zealous, how zealous are you tonight? There's more, but that's okay for tonight, I think. How zealous am I? How zealous are you over the Word of God? How zealous am I over prayer? How zealous am I over the church of God? How zealous am I? 
regarding the Great Commission. Remember what zealous is. It is a passion, enthusiasm. It is an eagerness and an ardent interest in the pursuit of something. A zealot could also be called, in closing, a fanatic. The word fanatic can be abbreviated fan. A great example of zeal can be seen in the actions of true sports fans. They are fanatics. But Paul said, it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. If your zeal is going in the wrong direction, I'm thankful for zeal. I think it's harder to get somebody who's completely just dead raised to life than it is somebody who's lost their zeal and can get right with God or turn that zeal in the right direction. That's what it was. It is easier to cool down a fanatic than to warm up a corpse. We want to be fanatic in good things. I think these four areas tonight would be considered good things. God's Word. Prayer. God's church. And God's commission.